Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much. Called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Lisa Unger is the New York Times and internationally best-selling author of 20 novels, including her most recent, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, Last Girl Ghosted, and Confessions on the 745, now in development at Netflix starring Jessica Alba. With books published in 32 languages and millions of copies sold worldwide, she is regarded as a master of suspense. Unger's critically acclaimed novels have been featured on best book lists from The Today Show, Good Morning America, Entertainment Weekly, People, Amazon, Goodreads, LA Times, The Boston Globe, Sun Sentinel, Tampa Bay Times, and many others. She has been nominated for or has won numerous awards, including The Strand Critics, Audie, Hammett, McCavity, ITW Thriller, and Goodreads Choice. In 2019, she received two Edgar Award nominations, an honor held by only a few authors, including Agatha Christie. Her short fiction has been anthologized in the Best American Mystery and Suspense, and her nonfiction has appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and Travel and Leisure. Lisa is currently co-president of the International Thriller Writers Organization. She lives on the West Coast of Florida with her family. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming back. 
for coming back. I'm laughing because Lisa just held up a copy of my book. For coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Now to talk about Secluded Cabin Sleeps Six. Hi, Sibby. You're amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of daily blown away by you, you know, like just in every sort of, you know, social media platform where I see you and follow you, you're just kind of this amazing powerhouse of, of energy and love for books. It's kind of, it's moving actually. It truly is. And your book bookends is like this, you know, is a real love letter to your life as a, as a reader and also as a creator and like kind of this book maven and it's such a beautiful journey that that you've been on with books like starting from you know your moment with charlotte's web in the bathroom like i that really that really got me because that was you know one of my first loves as a as a kid as well probably everybody right so i just really appreciate you and everything that you do Oh, thank you. That's so sweet, Lisa. That just totally made my day. So <laughs> thank you for that. People not tell you that every day because they, they really should. I mean, it's always nice to hear, <laughs> particularly when I think I'm interviewing somebody else. All right. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I mean, books are so, I mean, I do love books so much. I I get so excited and I can't imagine like a life without books, honestly. I mean, it's like a a parallel narrative that I've been living. Do you feel, I mean, I do. I feel the same way. I feel that, you know, I mean, it's, it's just such a, I mean, your life as a reader is so rich. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't remember a time in my life before, I define myself as a a reader and then as a writer. You know, my mom was a librarian. I think we discussed that. And she had this great love story, you know, always, not just books, but also television and film and theater, you know, and it was like her big passion. And my dad, on the other hand, is like an engineer, you know, nonfiction, doesn't want (laughs) to go to the movies. So like, I just became her kind of companion and all that stuff. And I think it, I mean, I know that it, that it formed me, you know, this kind of love of story. And then like, like watching my daughter have that same experience, like having her read books that, you know, moved me like she's reading the handmaid's tale or even something like like the island of the blue dolphins and all these things that like had such you know meaning and impact you know it's just a, a continuum right of like love for for story and it does it, it enriches our lives in just all kinds of ways totally true i haven't actually had that experience where one of my kids has read one of my favorite books and we could like yeah. talk about it i don't know yeah well what's really trippy is now that she's reading my books. Oh, <laughs> we talk about that. <laughs> what is she? That, what, what stage does she read your books? She just started because you know it's funny. I was just like, she didn't really ask for a long. She's sixteen now, so she didn't really ask for a long time. And then she kind of was like, "Well, when do I get to read your books?" And I, I kind of had to think about that, you know, because they're dark, you know. Like, and I, you know, I'm the kind of mom who's like when I'm reading aloud from Harry Potter, you know, to her when she was little and the books do get dark. Like I was just like editing, like verbally editing. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading. So like my parents never censored my reading or my television viewing or anything like that. But I, you know, very much so did that with her. And so I was like, well, I don't know. I'm like, let me think about it. And then she's like, mom, all my friends are reading your books. (laughs) It's like, okay fine. So then, yeah. So, <laughs> so then I just let her start reading and just the conversations that I have with her 
are so fascinating. You know, the way she experiences my characters and then like the things that, you know, she said the other day, you know, like she just started reading Secluded Cabin Sleep Sex. And she was like, I just, you know, there's so much in there that, you know, is from us, is from our life. And like, I hear your voice. And I found that kind of moving because I feel like, you know, she has these, you know, she has these pieces of me that she'll, she'll always have. And, you know, like, I think that there's something about that, that uh, there's moving about that, that I didn't, I didn't expect. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like if you are able to write, whether it's a book like this that you have out now, or just diary scratches or something, these are the, at the end of the day, they're what we leave behind. So right. Not, not, it's not our clothes or, you know, this bracelet or something, but it's the words written or by the people that I've loved that I cling to like talismans. Yeah. It's a story, you know, the stories that we tell of our lives are the things that we pass down. Like that's our truth. You know, you said something in your memoir, like at the beginning you were like, well, this is how I remember it. And maybe you, maybe you were there and you remember it differently, but this is the life that I have held, right? Like this is the life that I've held and that I'm giving to you in this way. And I think that there, there's something so important about that because, you know, life, you, you, you could have this experience with, you know, your siblings or other people in your family and everybody's going to walk away with it carrying a different story, a different version of that moment. And, you know, yours is important, whatever it is, whether somebody comes like, it didn't happen that way or I didn't feel that way about it. Like, okay, that's you. But this was my thing. This was my piece to bring forward. And I think it's so valuable if you can put that down and, you know, have it for, you know, whoever wants to read it later, your child, your grandchild, their child, you know, and it's just a, it's a greater legacy than anything that you could ever, ever leave. Meanwhile, I can't get even my mom to listen to my podcast. (laughs) Mom doesn't have to listen to your podcast. I'm kidding. You know what I mean? It's like, here I am. My dad doesn't read my books. Right. I mean, she does sometimes. I shouldn't say that, but it's like <laughs> I put out all this content all the time, and I'm like, anyone that I know actually want to? <laughs> did you did you listen? Oh, okay. You were busy. No, I get it totally. Wait, so what? What do you think your daughter found that was you in Secluded Cabin Sleep Six? Like, what you do know, you think I'm she not, was? I'm not to? really. I'm not really sure because I asked her to to say, I asked her specifically, what was it that, you know, we usually, after she finishes, we sit down and have like kind of a long talk about it. And I asked her specifically, what is it that you, that, that you felt, you know, resonated with you about me? And she was like, I don't know. I mean, typical 16 year old answer. right? <laughs> I was like, okay, well think about it and let's, you know, let's talk about it later or whatever. So when I, when I have that deep conversation with her about secluded cat and sleep sex, I'll, I'll hit you back. <laughs> Maybe for the conversation to be continued. Yeah, to be continued. We could like patch her in, you know. Exactly. Be like, so ocean. (laughs) Why don't you talk about where you came up with the idea for a secluded cabin, secluded cabin sleep six and what it's about for people who are you know, in the mood for one of your new books. Yeah. So usually there's like one germ, but in this case, there was a couple of things that, that led me to start hearing the voice of Hannah, which is really the major voice that, that led me through the story. Although Henry was a really big part of it as well for me. And he, we, so it was a, it was an ongoing obsession that I have with DNA testing. I have 
stopping short of actually testing my own DNA. So that's <laughs> that's another <laughs> that's another part of the story. It's another podcast, actually. But <laughs> I I you know I've been really obsessed with the idea of this and the industry surrounding it, and you know how the information is being used or how it could be used and how it ties into some kind of dark historical things that make me, you know, a little bit uncomfortable and, you know, just all the various layers of it. So much in like, you know, much the way Last Girl Ghosted was, you know, about online dating and, you know, Confessions on the 745 had a lot to do with social media. I'm interested in these technologies, but not in the technologies themselves. I'm interested in how they're rewriting the way we relate to each other. And especially in DNA testing, I'm interested in these themes that kind of run through most of my work, which is like, you know, what makes us who we are? Mm-hmm. You know, is it biology? Is it is it experience? Is it nature versus nurture? Is it you know, all these arguments, these historical arguments and questions that that exist? What is it really? So that's kind of the the journey on that piece of it. And then, you know, during the pandemic, my husband and my daughter and I, we would just, you know, drive from Florida and rent cabins in places like North Carolina and Georgia. And we would rent these like secluded cabins in the woods. And they were beautiful, beautifully appointed, very comfortable, lots of fun hiking, you know, all kinds of great, you know, sort of socially distanced stuff that we could do at the time. But, you know, like it's very difficult for me to go on vacation. Like I can't, my brain never <laughs> stops. Like it never stops working. Right. So I was like, you know, I was in this beautiful cabin. I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm just curious about that door code, you know, like does everybody get the same code or is it a different, <laughs> is it a different code for every person? And then I was like, you know, sitting outside enjoying like the beautiful outdoor fireplace and like some strange man comes driving up on a gator and he's like got this long gray hair baseball cap and he's like I check in on the I check in on the property for the owners from time to time I was like oh <laughs> do you wow great <laughs> so so there was that so there was that whole piece and you know just kind of the way you know the isolation the quiet and the there again too another big theme that runs through a lot of the books is like this nature theme right like the imperviousness of nature like it just kind of stands witness to all the folly that we participate in as people the good the bad and the ugly right so like there was that kind of piece that kind that came into it so when you first open secluded cabin sleep six you're at a, a christmas gathering with hannah and her family and a secret santa delivers a mysterious package everybody opens it when they open it it's a it's a dna testing kit nobody in the family has any idea where it came from and everybody has a different reaction to the gift And then, you know, fast forward a few months, Hannah and her brother, Mako, their spouses, their family friend and her mysterious new boyfriend are all headed out to a secluded cabin (laughs) in the woods, a luxury cabin for some much needed R&R, a big disconnect from the very hectic, like sort of technology addled modern life that they're experiencing. And Hannah, it's her first time away from her child. So there's a lot of tension there for her. And they are hauling with them all kinds of baggage in the form of secrets and lies. And there's a mysterious guest who is lingering sort of outside in the periphery. And this stranger is running a dark agenda of revenge. 
and there's a storm brewing. And of course, you know, cell phone services spotty. And, uh, you know, what could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) It's it. going to be fine, really. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> you know, one of my takeaways from this book was to always hide the uh, a secret extra gift. You know, I, that's such a good idea anyway. Like after, right. after they finish, after the kids finish opening everything, just being like, actually, there's more, you know? Right. <laughs> it's that moment, you know, and, and Hannah talks about it. It's like there's that moment after the, I mean, every mom knows, right? Every parent knows like the crush of like the holiday season, right? And like all the effort that we pour into it. And everything, and it's like, you know, the big meals, the gatherings, the gifts, all of it, right? You know, if you're fortunate and and blessed in that way. And then there's a moment where, and usually it's pretty early on Christmas Day, right? Or whatever holiday you're celebrating. It's usually pretty early on that day when you're like, okay, wow, like that, now it's over, right? So like to prolong that like moment, like to have the one more thing that's hidden, I think is a, is a good, is a good a good plan for everyone. It's sort of like cooking. It's like, it takes so long to do everything and then you eat it in like two seconds and that's it. And then you just have to clean it up. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And everybody's standing on doing the dishes for the next hour. Yeah. You're like, oh no, but that like 10 minutes, that was great. That was great. It was so good. The turkey was a little dry, but you know, still it's good. I actually, I found it really interesting the way you wrote about all of the different relationships. There are a lot of different contingents here and mm. siblings and like all of it's such an, you know, those relationships can be very fraught, especially as siblings change over time and bring in new people. And I just loved how you wove that all together and, and really examined that a little bit more, especially before the holidays are upon us. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's something that, you know, I tend to do, you know, I feel like there's this vision of the family, right? Like there's this idea that we're kind of sold, 
right? Like there's the table of, you know, the gathering of all your relatives and it's all like joy and laughter and support and all of that. And it's kind of, a, it's a tiny bit of a fallacy. I mean, I don't know any, I don't know any families like that. And uh, it's just sort of like, there's always this subterranean life to every family, the way, you know, the way relationships twist around each other and the way, you know, when you bring a new, you bring the new spouse into the mix, how all of a sudden, you know, his or her perspective on your family, you know, makes you see things that you did not see before, you know, which is the case a little bit with Bruce and, and Hannah, you know, there's so much dysfunction that we kind of take for granted in our families because we just didn't know any better. We didn't, we thought this, everybody's family was like this. And so when you bring that other person in and all of a sudden that person is like, whoa, wait a minute, like, no, <laughs> this is not how we're moving forward. And it creates this really interesting conflict and it either solidifies the, you know, the spousal relationship and as a consequence, the extended family or the family of origin relationship has to take a, a, a step back or it breaks up the marriage. And so it's just kind of, I find that, I find those kinds of dynamics to be very interesting. Also, um, just the idea that, you know, you have your family of origin and you think of your parents and your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and all of that, like as this very like, you know, solid and known unit of people, right? But like you, then you meet somebody and you're not biologically related to that person, you fall in love with that person, you form a bond, and then you start creating, you know, your own children together. And then you are the family of origin. And your child looks to you as this solidified thing that always was, right? And without ever thinking like, well, why did you choose this person? Or what was your experience or whatever? And it's like that choice, you choose these people to be part of your life, your friends, your spouse, you choose people to be part of your life. And then they become as important, as influential as the biological relationships that you have as a child. My version of your, you know, catastrophizing every time you're in a cabin situation <laughs> is like setting up these impossible predicaments in my head. Like just what you're saying, like, okay, what if my brother and my husband were both nominated for an Academy Award at the same time? You know, and then I like go down this whole path. Where would I sit? Would they both want me to come? Like, who would I root for? How could I root for them both at the same time? Like, would someone get mad at me? Anyway, I, I mean, it's like a complete use, useless you know, yeah, but, and we do that. I mean, of course we do, you know, like we all do that. Like that's the, that's the way the brain works, right? Like you can bring yourself into presence, like, you know, with meditation in your breath, but basically you're always time traveling. You're either in the past, you know, ruminating on things that happen or you're in the future worrying about, you know, what will never happen. happen. (laughs) Future tripping, creating bizarre scenarios that will never, will never come to pass probably. And, you know, and I always think that like, this is such an interesting, like sort of revelation I had about the pandemic, you know, like when that first happened and it was like such this moment of like, oh my God, like this thing is happening and it is unbelievably scary. And I was thinking to myself, okay, so in December of 2019, of all the things that I worried about, about 2020, 
Yeah, I forgot this a global one. pandemic never once entered my mind. Like the fate of the the fate of the planet in the world, like it never once kind of was like, oh yeah, I'm really, I mean, we all worry about our various, you know, global things, but like that was definitely not one of them. Like, so I was just like reminded that my powers of prediction are absolutely abysmal, like terrible, right? So I just try to comfort myself with that whenever I'm like future tripping. It's like, okay, this, yeah, this horrible thing could happen, but this wonderful thing could happen too, you know, and you can kind of balance yourself out that way. But that's I mean, true. That's or you just write it, or you just write a book about it. And or just you just, yeah. Rise it all onto the page. So <laughs> that's usually how I manage it. I do feel though that once I've worried about it, I can stop worrying about it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, okay, I've worried about that. Now I can move on. And then if it doesn't happen, I'm always so pleasantly surprised. Like my husband thinks I'm a pessimist, but I'm like, it's not really pessimism. I hope for the best. I really right. do. It's just, right. I'm prepared for the worst and always pleasantly surprised if the worst doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice way to live. How long did it take you to write this book? A first draft of a novel usually takes about nine months to nine to 12 months. And this is about that for me. Yeah. And so what is coming next? What comes next is, I can't, I can't really talk about it yet. I'm not okay. ready to talk about it because that's kind of how it works for me. Like I'm, I finished, I just finished up revisions on the next book. And I'm just now starting to get a sense of what I wrote, right? I'm just now starting, like, just now, I'm just today, like, this week, ready to talk about secluded cabin sleep sex. (laughs) I'm just ready to say, okay, this is what I wrote, and this is what it meant to me, and this is, you know, these are the layers of it and whatnot. And uh, But it takes that, it takes that year for me to kind of reflect and write something else and have the distance, have the distance from the next book before I'm ready to talk about. And also it's like, you know, I just have this thing about never, you know, never talking about the book until it's completely done. Cause I feel like it drains, it drains the energy from it. Okay. I won't say a word. (laughs) It's, you know, it'll be a psychological thriller. Bad things will happen. You'll be scared. You'll stay up late turning the pages, I hope. So that's Great. what I can tell you. <laughs> we'll see what your daughter has to say about it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you just wrote a great article for us at Zibby Mag. Thank you so much with all of your oh, book picks. Are there any you want to highlight? Thank you for I writing. love that. Oh yeah. I, I love writing I loved writing that about books to read in a in a, or not in a secluded <laughs> cabin. <laughs> and uh, there were some really interesting books on that list. Some of them were older, some of them were newer, but I'll just shout out to Ruth Ware and Heather Goodenkoff and Jilly McMillan, who are all, Jilly and, and Heather wrote books about, you know, sort of similar themes, like these very isolated settings where, you know, people come together and, you know, the past and the present collide. Very, Heather's book about a true crime writer who is, has, has gone to a secluded cabin to finish her, to finish her book, which, you know, that's pretty brave. <laughs> but it's all these tendrils that reach into the past and it's just incredibly suspenseful and just a, uh, you know, she's a, an excellent writer. And I think on uh, in that group, I had talked about The Turn of the Key, 
which was the Ruth Ware's, not her most recent book, but I think two books ago about a nanny who goes out into the Scottish Highlands to an isolated mansion. And she's the caregiver for children who are, you know, basically for the minute she steps into the property, warning her that that she should leave. And it's this really cool juxtaposition of like a very old school kind of a haunted house vibe, but, you know, the house is controlled by this uh, system called Happy. And it's like a smart house. So there's like this juxtaposition of like the technology and like kind of the old school scary horror story. And Jilly McMillan's book, The Long Weekend, was about a group of women who they've gone out to a a house in the countryside of England, and they're waiting for their husbands to arrive the next day. And when they arrive, there's a gift basket. And the gift basket is from a friend. And there's a note that says, one of your husbands have been murdered. And they're completely isolated. They can't reach any of their husbands. And it's about how these friends, all their like sort of interconnectedness with each other and their spouses. And it's like very layered and super fun. So yeah, those are just a few, just a few of the books on the list. I don't have as high a tolerance of fear as you do, I think. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) My tolerance is way lower. My sleep is affected intensely. (laughs) Well, I suggest that if you do go to a secluded cabin, for some R&R, you do not bring any of the books on my list to that cabin. You've already read mine, so sorry about that. But, you know, just guess what? I am not going to go to a secluded cabin. That's it. That's the end of secluded cabins. <laughs> sorry. In fact, we were just at our retreat a couple of weeks ago up in Innes at this beautiful resort called Innes. And they have these like 20 cabins and then just a couple of hotel rooms. And originally we were all in cabin. I was like, I don't want to sleep one of these cabins. <laughs> like I've got, I'd rather take this tiny room in the, in the end, you know, just yeah. like, like light and like someone else locking up. I was like, I don't know. I think I'll be creeped out. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This is the city girl in me at least. I was going to say, this is the Manhattan girl. This yeah. Sorry is, about that. It has. Nature its, uh, is very unpredictable. Yes. <laughs> okay. Last question is if you could pick and fill a cabin with six people, for a dream vacation, maybe not where terrible things happen. Who would you, who would you stick in the cabin with you? Actual people. Like a vacation that I would actually enjoy. Yeah. Like a vacation you would enjoy. (laughs) Who would you want? They could be alive or not. They could be people, you know, people you don't know, or it doesn't even have to be all six, but if you could, if you could dream up a cabin. Okay. Well, everything that has to include my husband and my daughter, because they are like, you know, they're my besties, you know, like I don't enjoy anything as much as I do when I'm with them. So that, that's two, my, my husband, Jeff. That's and three. Well, you count, you count. So oh, that's I three. count too? Yeah. You're in oh, the cabin. God. Oh, wow. I really, we only have three left. Okay. Definitely Oprah. Definitely Oprah. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, She's just such a force for good in the world. And I feel like she would have a lot of wisdom and, you know, presence. And I would just really like, I would love to to hang out and talk to Oprah. Um, Zibby, I would like you to come. Oh, <laughs> I'm in. Thank you. <laughs> I would also like you to come. That And we would talk, we would all just sit around and talk about like books and we would cook food and make cocktails. And I'm awesome. trying to think of who would be my next person. Does my Labradoodle count? Can I bring Jack-Jack? Okay. We can count. We can count (laughs) (laughs) Jack-Jack. I'm sure if I gave this some more, I mean, if I had themes, I could probably come up with like, okay, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and... (laughs) 
The Bronte sisters, that would be really good. I would always wanted to talk to them about just not only their novels, but just their lives, which are, are so interesting. And like, you know, being a writer, a female writer during that time and all, you know, and all of that. Oh, Mary Shelley would be another one. I would like to have to, okay, this is good. This has really gotten out of hand. Sorry. Okay, now we've got two cabins. That's okay. Sure, we're at resort now. In the third cabin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put you on the spot. So I, I think that was well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. This was so fun. And for people listening, you can go back and listen to Lisa's last episode, which came out in February. So there's no lack of Lisa Unger to go around. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations on your book. Thanks again for writing for us at Zibby Mag. And thanks for just being so nice and complimentary and making my day. You're, you're, you're amazing. You're a real, you're a real treasure and a real, just your love of books is infectious. And I I know everybody appreciates you so much, including me. Thank you. All right. I'll pack my bag for the cabin. Okay, great. Let's go. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com